the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. We uh, continue our um, a short series on honoring the call to discipleship. Um, we started with a message called Chosen to Soar, and that means we soar above and beyond the troubles that we face in this world. And today's message is a second part of that short uh, discipleship treatment that we, we have from scriptures and with a message entitled Chosen to Shine. Our text this morning is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians at Thessalonica. He writes, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and had been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel, his gospel, in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. About six years ago, during the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympics, we witnessed probably one of the most dominating performances by American athletes, winning 125 total medals. And that's quite an achievement in recent Olympic history. But that specific Olympics, the 2016 Rio Olympics, will also go down in history as the most scandal-plagued Olympics ever. News of doping among athletes were rampant. News of American basketball players go visiting brothels before the games came up. One of the biggest embarrassments uh, happened when a group of uh, U.S. Olympic swimming uh, athletes uh, vandalized a bathroom in a gas station in downtown Rio. And in their drunkenness, rather than acknowledging what they've done, they publicly condemned a whole country for the inefficiencies that, that it represented. Rather than 
using the opportunity of the Olympics to shine in their athletic abilities and to bring glory to the nation, they tarnish a reputation of another country. But there was one moment in the games that for me and for a whole lot of people shines the brightest. No doubt you probably heard of track and field runner Abby Diagostino. She was the most decorated track and field runner in Ivy League history. The first woman to win an NCAA title in long distance running. With her talents and accomplishments, she's more than qualified to represent her country in the Olympic Games. After years and years of hard work and preparations, after years and years of practice, her Olympic moment had finally come. She was to qualify for the 5,000-meter run. That was the qualifying competition. And two-thirds of the way in that 500-meter heat, fellow competitor Nikki Hamblin of New Zealand fell down and caused Abby to trip and fall down as well. It was a moment forever frozen in time, and I'm sure in her memory and in the memory of a whole lot of people. Years of preparation, years of hard work was shattered in two seconds. But something amazing happened. Without even a moment of thought and hesitation, Abby Agostino got up and instead of finishing the race and still somehow complete what she prepared for, in a moment of utter selflessness, she got up, came to the aid of Hamblin and motivated her to finish the race. And together they did. Just before they finished, Abby herself tripped and broke her ACL. Later on, when she was asked what went through her mind in that instant, she said these words, There are more important things in life than winning for personal glory. For me, that's the most powerful moment in all the games. For me, her run, even though she didn't accomplish what she set out to do, Her run shines the brightest. As disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to shine for the glory of the gospel of the Lord in this world. That is a calling. We have been chosen by God to shine through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus to make sure that we shine for the glory of God and for the power of the gospel in this sick, fallen world. This is important because this is one of the reasons why Paul wrote so many of his letters to the church, especially to the Thessalonians. The purpose of his letter to this church in Thessalonica was to encourage them and remind them that they are chosen, that they were chosen and called by God to soar in the midst of the things that they encounter. And not only that, they were not just called to soar in the midst of all the challenges that they faced. They were also called to shine in a crooked and dark world. To be a disciple, we are called to live out our lives, not just for ourselves, but of course, for the glory of God. We are to carry that light, that torch that gives people In this world, the hope that they need. And there's only one hope in this world. And that is the hope of the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. That's the only hope this world has. No other hope because there's no other light. And that light 
has been given to us so that we can shine forth the glory in that hope. We are running this race to win the prize. That prize is based on how many people we can bring to that race. What the Apostle Paul was saying is, not only are we called to a holy and sanctified lives as believers, but we're also chosen by God to faithfully proclaim and spread this hope that we have, and that's called the gospel truth in Jesus Christ. That's true with Paul, that's true with the Thessalonians, and that's true for us today. The calling has not changed. God choosing us to shine has never changed. We still have that mandate. We still have that call. We are chosen by God to shine His light in this fallen world, to be witnesses for the truth. That's important. Then it was important to the early church, and it's important for us to understand today as well. Again, we think when we uh, use the word calling, we think that it simply means that we are called by God to live for Him. And that's true. That's the calling of every Christian. We are called by God to live for Him, to live holy lives, sanctified lives, so that we can honor His name and we can emulate the glory of Christ. But we fail to think that not only have we been called to live for Him, we've also been called to work for Him. And I, let me let that sink in for a moment because I think a lot of Christians think that, you know, I'm good with God, you know, I'm doing all the right things and all of these things, fine and good. That's wonderful. But remember, the Bible says that we are co-laborers with Christ in the vineyard of God. We're not called only to live for God. We're called to work for God. That's why he has chosen us not only to soar through our issues, but also to shine for his glory. So the question this morning is, how do we become effective lighthouses? Because that's what we are. We are the lighthouse that God has established here in this world. How do we become a lighthouse and how do we know how to become effective lighthouses for the glory of God? What does God expect of us if we're working for him? And I want you to start thinking about that term this morning, okay? Hey, you work for God now. You're in his kingdom. Now you're working for him. All right? There's, there's, there's no such thing as uh, pew warmer Christians. There's no such thing as Christians that simply live out their lives so people can see who they are. I mean, that's, that's true. That's important. But we have something to do. There's this aspect of being called by God to be who Jesus is to this world. And if you don't realize how big of a calling that is, that chances are, you know, we've never really been, been captured by the light of the gospel. So we need to capture that in the inside of life. What does God expect from us in Christ Jesus? I give you three things, as I always do. There are three things that will help us understand how to shine that gospel hope, that gospel power. The words of Christ, what it means to be the light of the world, what it means to be the salt of the earth. Three things this morning. Number one, it's based on our text, so there's no, there's no secret here, okay? There's no, there's no new revelations here. Anybody tells you, well, you've given us new revelation. I've never given anybody at all in the years that I have proclaimed the gospel. I have never given anybody anything new. The old is still really, really, really good, okay? There's nothing new 
God sealed his word. We have what we need, and this is, these are nothing new. But these are, maybe for some of you, these are rediscoveries. You're discovering this maybe for the first time, but they're not new. Maybe these are new insights, or maybe you've known this forever. It doesn't matter. The Scripture gives us everything and anything we need so that we can fulfill that calling that He has given us in our lives. Three things. Number one, in order to shine the gospel of truth, we must be, first of all, be conscious of the real possibility of trouble coming our way. We must be conscious of trouble that comes by becoming a lighthouse. Look at uh, the verses again, verses uh, 1 to 2 again this morning. Paul writes, you know... And you need to underline that in your Bible. This is something that Christians know. This is not something we guess. This is not something we try to avoid. This is not something that we speculate. This is something we know. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God... We dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. What Paul here was reminding his original hearers and what he's reminding us today when he delivered this gospel is that we need to learn how to endure and persevere through hardships and sufferings in the hands of those who oppose the light that we represent. You, you recall that in Philippi where he, he wrote, uh, the, the letter to the Philippians, you recall that Paul was imprisoned just because he was sharing the gospel uh, 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 to people. When he was released and when he reached Thessalonica, he did the same thing. You'd think someone would learn his lesson. You know, I've been in prison for proclaiming the gospel. You'd think that Paul would learn his lesson. But no, he went to Thessalonica to a different town and he started proclaiming the same gospel, the same truth. And guess what the result was? The result was the same. He was opposed. He was harassed because the gospel was making an impact that the people in that city did not expect. The gospel be- became a transformative agent in the lives of people. It started to fix people's problems. It started to shine a light in people's understanding of who they are in light of who God is. It started to have an impact. Reformation, deliverances, healing of the spirit, healing of the soul, a a, a softening of the heart began to happen. And those stiff-necked people, their necks began to move again. And they began to nod about the gospel. And guess what? Jealousy and envy sat in. And they were driven out. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they were driven out because of the power of the gospel. But Paul, again, sent Timothy back. And this this is the, 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 the occasion of the letter. He sent Timothy back, and Timothy sent back a report saying, the gospel is working among these people. It's really true. It is the word of God. So let me remind all of us this morning, loved ones, inevitably, when you and I make a stand for the gospel, when you and I make a stand for the truth of Christ's word, we will face opposition. We will face incredible, outrageous hardships because it will work. There will be a great deal of opposition because the gospel is the only hope that people have. And I'll explain why that is causing a problem in just a minute. You know, even here in America, and this breaks my heart, uh, you know, in America today, you know, we need to come to grips with the fact that 
what made America a great nation was, you may disagree with this, but the greatness of America as a nation was rooted in its Christian faith. That's the truth. It's not a political statement. Oh, you're getting political. You must be Republican. You must be this. You must be that. No, 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 no. I just don't see a line of people trying to cross China. I just don't see it. Houses in North Korea are cheap. Immigration is down, down. The reason why, and I'm not, I'm not a political person, it's rooted on the Christian principles that the founding fathers of this nation decided that they're going to go after. And it's sad today that if you just listen to the news, um, people had forgotten. They had forgotten that what made God bless a nation, and this is in the Bible, not just, not just America, is its understanding of how to honor God. It, it's inevitable that when you, you, know, when you represent what's true, you know, we have, we, have, we have the devil trying to destroy and kill and steal and all of that. We need to be aware of that. You know, uh, people deny the fact that there's greatness in trusting God. You know, we use, you, you, you look at the dollar bill and it still says, in God we trust. We can still see semblance of what uh, this country used to believe. We used to put our hands on the Bible and swear that we will tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We sing songs like, God bless America. God shed his grace on thee. Yeah. I mean, we used to recite the Pledge of Allegiance that invokes the name of God. And yet, if you listen to what's going on today, there's so much opposition to the gospel that you wonder what in the world is going on. There's so much opposition when you start praying in school. I mean, that happened in 1962. Even before I was born, there was already opposition to prayer in school. Uh, there's opposition to teaching creationism as if, if you believe in creationism that you're anti-science or something. Where did that come from? I really believe in science. Science is great. Science is going to bow down to God because God created everything. We're not opposed to it. We don't oppose any of that. But now you think that, hey, you know, those people, they, they, don't believe in, they don't believe in science because they believe in creationism. They must be stupid people. They must be a bunch of idiots. You start calling a Bible study in the workplace, you know, some, somebody will say, well, you know what, we're not, you know, you're not supposed to do that here. We're not supposed to bring um, prayer in school. We're not supposed to put the Ten Commandments in school and in courthouses. Uh, oh, but a teenager can bring a gun and shoot people up. They kill people. People are so threatened by the gospel at the time of Paul that they threatened, they were so threatened that they need to remove any semblance of the gospel in their midst. And you know what is becoming very true in, in our country today? Not only here in America, but in many parts of the world, there are, Christianity is illegal. You know, you can't, we can't do this in some other country. And I praise God, you know, I praise God. We have a comfortable sanctuary. We had nice lights. We got nice microphones. I don't even have to hold anything. I got it right here, wherever it is. Right? Why were they opposing the truth back then, and why are they opposing the truth now? And I will tell you, because it's the only thing that can really make a change in a person's life. And if one thing is true about humanity, we want to be God of ourselves. 
We want to rule ourselves. We don't want other things reigning in us. We don't want to sing our God reigns. We don't want to sing it. We, we reject it. People by nature want, want to rule their own lives. That's why when you talk to people, when you ask them about Christianity, they're going to tell you it's just one of the many religions. If it's true, if Christianity, if, if it's just one of the many religions, then there is, it's not a big deal. Christianity will not a big, be a big deal. It will not be a problem. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has one thing unique about it that a lot of other religions do not claim. It claims exclusivity. It does not allow for other religions, other philosophies, and other systems to be the way to eternal life. Only Christianity allows that. That's why there's so much opposition. The moment we say, and I say, I believe in Jesus, is is the way, the truth, and the life, that's when you're going to have a whole lot of opposition. But Paul said it in Romans. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God toward salvation. It's not like it's, it's one of the ways. It is the way. Why do people reject Jesus so much as the way, the truth, and the life? Why do we need to get ready for trouble? Because people reject the notion that there is someone other than themselves that can rescue them from the judgment that is to come from God. They don't want, people don't want to hear a God who judges. That's really a big problem. That's a big problem then. It's a big problem now. By nature, we don't want to be judged. We, 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 we reject that notion of, of a, a God who judges. We want a God who simply loves us. He, we don't want to judge who, a God who judges us. Every time we hear the word judge, it, it, it basically helps us, uh, makes us think that it's something is unfair going on. I don't, I don't deserve to be judged. It's unfair that, that, that I will be judged by God someday. That's really one of the big, big, big reasons why people reject Christianity. When they begin to hear that they will be accountable for their life. Now, I want us to think about that. Every single one of us will be accountable. You ever wonder why people who reject the gospel keep saying, the same people that will reject the gospel will say to you, Jesus was just a man. You ever wonder why people say that? I've heard that many times. Oh, you know, Jesus is just like Buddha or he's just like uh, whoever... Their, their religious honcho is, you know. He's just one of them. He's just a man. You ever wonder why people in, in, insist that Jesus was just a man? Because if Jesus was just a man, then he cannot judge them. He cannot judge. If Jesus is just a man, he has no right to judge. He's just a man just like I am. So they remove the judgment away from Jesus, and Jesus is just all right with me. According to those theologians, the Doobie brothers. Jesus is just all right. Why? Because Jesus is just a man. If Jesus indeed was just a man, then I'm not going to be judged because he's just a man just like I am. He has no right to judge me. And I have no, he has no right. I'm, I have no, there's no reason for him to pass judgment on me because he's just a man. But if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you know the truth, you know what the scripture says. In Romans 8, 17, it says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, 
Jesus became like one of us, but He's not just like one of us. We were talking about this yesterday. Jesus was fully God, and He is fully man. And better, you better believe it. When Jesus judges, He judges as God with the understanding of what it's like to be a man. And that's scary. It should scare you. Because you can't go there and say to Jesus, you have no right to judge me. You don't know what it's like to be a man. And Jesus will say, mm, wrong answer. If, they can if people can convince that they're not going to be judged, Jesus will just be all right with them. That's why when we share the gospel today, you know, we, need, we cannot whitewash it. We need to really tell people, God loves you. How much does he love you? He gave the very best that heaven has to give. And that's your only hope. Without that, you will be judged into an eternal separation from God. If you don't want to use hell, you can use that. But as a follower of Jesus, we need to understand that we will be opposed. And the reason why we will be opposed is because they won't readily accept the fact that there is a God who will judge us. But there's a second thing that we need to understand in order for us to shine this gospel. And that is we shine, we become, we, we shine for the gospel. To shine <laughs> for the gospel, we must be confident and trustworthy. Okay, that's the second point. Not only we, must we be conscious of trouble, we also must be confident and trustworthy. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.